testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify. morning central welcome on this beautiful sunday morning i say beautiful i didn't say cool um, but we are excited to have you here this morning um, today we want to welcome dr steve brazell with us uh, pastor sunny and his family are out this week on a little bit of family time so we'll have hear from dr brazell this morning um, but if you are new or a visitor this morning if you would look in the pew back in front of you there is a guest information card if you would fill that out We'd love to connect with you this week or maybe even next week. And if you have a prayer request, you may also put that on there. And we will take those at the back. in the At the end of the service, you can drop them into the receptacles by the door. Again, welcome. And if you don't mind, we will have a prayer one more time before we get back to praising our Lord through song. God, thank you so much for allowing us to be here today. God, to use our voices to lift up praises to you. God, thank you for the ability to gather together as a body freely and without fear of being persecuted. God, thank you so much for the congregation that gives so selflessly to make sure that the world knows of your gracious, your gracious love. God, be with us in this place as we lift our voices to you.
describe, God, that we have not the words, we have not the ability, Lord, but we want to try right now in this moment, Lord, with our song to make a sound, make a, a song that is worthy of your glory. Lord, be glorified right now as we sing to you.
church, I invite y'all to pray with me for a moment. God, as we sing and we ask for revival, Lord, I pray that that would not be just empty words that we say. God, we believe on you that you can change hearts and lives. God, that you can redeem the lost. You can heal the broken. God, you can call back the sinner to yourself. Lord, we believe that you can do that here in Livingston, Texas. God, we believe that you can do that here in Central Baptist Church. God, and as we sing to you, Lord, we earnestly ask your favor on this church as we bring your word into this community. God, you have done it before. God, we believe on you that you'll do it again. Let's sing together.
prayer right now. Thank you for this time of worship. God, we pray that you would open our hearts to receive your word as we continue to hear from you. God, that truly is our prayer for this city. Give us the boldness to be your hands and feet in this place. Show us your appointments. Give us ways to be bold and listen for you as you give us uh, your guidance, Lord. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray that we'd be thankful for salvation every day. You'd make the gospel new to us every morning and give us a constant hunger for your word. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Well, thank you for worship this morning. I feel like I've already been to church. How about you? No? It's good call out the names, Lord, how great is our God, and to pray for revival. I want to lead us in a, in a concerted time of prayer for revival, for church, for your own life, your family and friends. I know many of you have concerns that you brought with you. You've got burdens on your heart that you showed up with this morning. For some of you, it's your kids. It's your grandkids, it's your parents, or your grandparents, a brother, a sister, a neighbor, somebody you work with. There's somebody that is uh, the Lord's putting on your heart today, and you carry that burden, and we want to lay those at the foot of the cross, because we know there's one who is able. There's only one who is able, and so we want to go to him. Would you pray with me this morning? And Father, we come to you this morning because you are the only one worth all of this. You're the only one worthy 
of all the effort and the time, the resources that have gone into us gathering together today. So we come to you, beseeching you, begging you. Lord, we need you this morning. We desperately need you. We need to hear from you. We need your spirit to move in our lives. So, Lord, we come humbly before you, recognizing that we have sin in our own hearts. There are things that we have done, even though we have presented one picture to the world, Lord, we know that there is some truth in us that needs to be lived out, some sin that needs to be confessed. We ask your mercy and your grace because of the work of Christ on the cross. We pray for your forgiveness. Lord, we come this morning with other burdens. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, as you're talking to the Lord this morning, I want to encourage you to share with him what burdens you and give it to him. Lord, we confess that in your hands is a good place. So as we place this hurt, this burden in your hands, Lord, we let go. We take our hands off and we leave it here with you. We trust you, Lord. Give us the courage to not grab it back. Give us the patience to wait for your answer. Help us to persevere in prayer. And Lord, give us the joy that comes with hope placed in you. That we can be released this morning and free. Feel the burden lifted off of our shoulders and laid before you. Now, Lord, as we open your word, I pray that your spirit would have freedom to speak, that we would be ready to listen, eager to hear. Lord, we want to hear from you. We've heard from man. We've heard from you. We want to hear from you. It's what we need today. It's why we came. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, it is good to be with you. I want to invite you to open your Bible with me to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Before we go into that passage, I just wanted to give you a little bit of an update from our association. For those of you that I haven't met before... And I know there are several. I've met a couple this morning for the first time that have been here for, for a while, but I hadn't met them before because I'm only here every once in a while. I'm not a member of the church, so it's okay. I'm a member of another church in spring, and I never go there. I'm a terrible church member. Um, I'm the director of missions for our association of Unity Baptist Association, so I'm in a different church within our Polk and Angelina counties almost every week. And uh, sometimes get to preach and often get to hear great messages from other people, which I really like hearing good preaching every once in a while. So I appreciate the opportunity you've given me to be here. Appreciate your pastor, Sonny, and his family. I appreciate your support of our association. Just a couple of things I want to let you know that are going on in our association. One that has happened and one that's 
going to happen that we feel uh, very passionate about. We just got back uh, at the end of July. July 1st, we returned from uh, Vermont. We had a group of 33 in Vermont on mission trip. We were there working with Northeastern Baptist College, helping do some building for them. And then we had a group that was in northern New Hampshire um, that was doing a pastor retreat for pastors and their families. And that was a great time. I want to tell you, it was hard, though. I mean, I just want you to picture this. I want you to picture walking outside in the morning and not sweating. (laughs) High in the mid-70s. I tell you, we were suffering for the Lord up there. It was terrible. Just couldn't wait to come back to the heat and humidity of East Texas. You know, just really was really bad to be up there in the nice cool weather with no air conditioning because you didn't need it. It was all air conditioned. The whole uh, nature and everything was air conditioned. It was beautiful. Uh, But we are glad to be back here. We had such a great time ministering to families there of pastors. Many of those pastors are the only pastor of an evangelical church within an hour. That that they have to drive an hour to get to another town that has a church with a pastor who's an evangelical believer. Not necessarily even a Baptist, just an evangelical believer. And so there's a lot of loneliness in the ministry there. A lot of loneliness for uh, believers because Vermont, if Vermont was a foreign country, and in some ways I admit it kind of is, but if it were a foreign country, the International Mission Board would classify Vermont as an unreached people group. Less than 2% of the population are evangelical believers. So it is a great mission field. And yet, just over 100 years ago, every single town in Vermont had a Baptist church in it. But because they bought into liberal higher criticism, they began to reject the truth and the authority of Scripture. And over a series of generations now, there are five generations removed from people going to church. That's where the world goes when we don't put Christ in the middle, when we don't focus on Him, and when we don't accept His Word as authoritative and truth in our lives. And that's what's happened there. And we're so thankful to be able to help some of the believers that are there, some of the pastors, some from Conroe. We were with one from Conroe, Texas, and another from Garrison, Texas, his wife from Garrison. We're so glad to be there and support them and encourage them in the work that they're doing. And then the second thing is, starting in September, we've got our School of Ministry coming up. And the School of Ministry is designed to help train the next generation of pastors, that is, men who have surrendered to the ministry or are thinking about. They feel like God may be calling them to ministry. And we give them six weeks of uh, six Tuesday nights in a row of intense training from other pastors within our association. And we just really treasure this because let me tell you, in Polk and Angelina County, we need more pastors. We are desperately short of pastoral leadership within our association, even here. And so I'm going to encourage you, if you feel like the Lord might be calling you or maybe he has called you to ministry, I want to encourage you to look up the School of Ministry and be a part of that. And if you know somebody that you, you just look at them and you say, God's moving in their life and they need to surrender to ministry, they need to get some training, encourage them. Call me, let me know. We'll, we'll get, reach out to them and try to get them in because it is so important that we raise up the next generation of Christian leaders who are biblically taught and who are passionate about the gospel and ready and willing to do the work required to reach the world, even East Texas, with the gospel. Because y'all know there are more people in Livingston than are sitting in this room, right? You know, there are a lot of people. You probably drove by a lot of houses where the cars stay in the driveway on Sunday, every Sunday, huh? 
There are a lot of people here that need the gospel, and we need to raise up leaders to reach them and then to go to faraway places, even to Vermont, to share the gospel. Desperately need. I'll probably share some more about that in a little bit. Well, that's who, who we are, what we're doing, a couple of the things, but appreciate your support of our association as always. Colossians chapter 1. This is a, a passage that I just, I love this passage. I think it, it, it exemplifies for us what I think is one of Paul's greatest strengths. Paul wrote this letter to the church in Colossae. And I think what one of Paul's greatest strengths is that he knew exactly what he was doing here on earth. And he knew exactly what God had called him to. But most importantly, Paul lived that purpose and that calling out to the fullest extent possible. And that is what I admire about him most, I think. Not just that he knew what God wanted him to do, not just that he knew his purpose here, but that he did his best to live it out all the way. Let's read Colossians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 23 and read down to the end of that chapter. He says, If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard, this gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a servant of it. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is, the church. I have become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. Paul was a minister of the gospel. He calls him that twice, himself that twice. In the end of verse 23, he says, I have become a servant of it. And in the beginning of verse 25, he says, I have become its servant, that is, the gospel. He is a servant. That's that word minister literally means servant. Paul is a servant of the gospel. As a servant of the gospel, his role was to steward the gospel well, to take care of it well, to protect it well. In the middle of that, verse 24, he talks about suffering. We'll come back to that. But we want to see that Paul saw that the servant of the gospel's job is to make the gospel fully known. He says that at the end of verse 25, to make the word of God fully known. Now, what does it mean to make the word of God fully known? Well, I think we can easily see that what that means is that we want to make to let those who don't yet know the gospel, we want them to know the gospel, right? People that we meet, people that we see, people that we haven't met yet who don't know the gospel, we want them to know the gospel, don't we? That's the evangelical sharing of the gospel that we think about all the time, witnessing, sharing your faith. But it is not just to make the gospel fully known to those who don't yet know it. 
It is to make the gospel fully known to those who don't yet fully know the gospel. Well, you know who that is? That's every person who's a believer. How many of you in this room who are believers would raise your hand to say, I fully know the gospel. I got it all down. Well, don't raise your hand lest you get struck down by lightning, right? Not one of us fully knows everything about the gospel, do we? That is in the sense of we fully understand it. We may have a head knowledge and we may be able to take an online Bible quiz and get every question right. You may be number one in Bible trivial pursuit. But there's a difference between knowing all the facts of the gospel and knowing the gospel in a way that it changes and transforms your life in every single way. Paul wanted to make sure that everyone fully understood, knew, and lived out the gospel. And to that gospel, he says, I am a servant. You see, we all serve the gospel. We serve the gospel. In short, what I think we could say is that I don't rule over the gospel. The gospel rules over me. That's what it means to serve the gospel, right? I don't rule over the gospel. The gospel rules over me. And that gospel, he says, is for all creation, for the whole world. Not just for every individual, but for every person in the world. That's who that gospel is meant for. If there's one thing I could pray for the church today, for Christians today, it's that we would have a vision like Paul's. Where we didn't just see that the gospel is for me to fully know. No, but it is for me to help others fully know it. And who are those others? It's every single person in the world. And until every person in the world fully knows the gospel, our work is not done. Was the, there was a line in maybe the first song that you sang, I don't know, about, you know, I'm still here, God's not done, something like that, right? You're still breathing, God's got a reason, right? You say, well, you know, I'm too old for this stuff, or I'm too old to do that. No, look, <laughs> the only time you're too old for God to use is when he has taken you, and then he'll tell you, you know, you just got too old for me to use anymore. But until he's left you here, as long as he's left you here, there's a reason. And that reason changes over time. I believe that, that when you're 10, that reason is different than when you're 100. But throughout your life, God has a purpose for you being here. There's a reason for you being here, a reason for me being here. And it is the reason he has left us is because not everybody fully knows the gospel yet. And we are servants to that gospel. We serve that gospel. That gospel tells us what to do. We don't tell it what we'll do. We are servants to it. When we have an argument with God about what we're to do, that is an argument with the one who is our master. And that does not tend to go well. But let's go to this verse 24. This verse 24 really intrigues me. For one... It tells us that Paul was just a wee bit crazy. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for you. Now, I'm just telling you that even under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, a person that writes that down has got something wrong. 
I rejoice in my sufferings. It just sounds a little bit wrong, doesn't it? I'm so glad that I get to suffer. But that's what he's saying. I rejoice in my sufferings for you. And then I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Let me just dispel one way that people might read this verse. Because it is quite obvious, if you have read Paul's writings, it is quite obvious that Paul does not believe that the suffering of Christ on the cross was insufficient for the salvation of the world. Paul believes very clearly that what happened on the cross was enough for you and I to get saved and for everyone else in the world to get saved. There's no way you can read Paul and think that Paul doesn't think that there was enough suffering on the cross and so I have to suffer some too so that other people can get saved. That is not at all the case, okay? Christ's suffering alone was sufficient for our salvation. But it is a believer's privilege to suffer for Christ on behalf of Christ and because of Christ, not to complete the work of reconciliation, we suffer to make well known the work of reconciliation. We suffer so that everybody else can know what Christ did for them on the cross. That's what he's talking about when he talks about suffering. He's not suffering in himself the sins of others. He is suffering in himself so that others may know that Christ died for them. He died for you. We suffer so that other people may know that the debt is paid in full. The work has been done. It is finished. We endure suffering on behalf of the expanse of the gospel. That's why we go through suffering. And let me just say this, there is one thing for certain. If the gospel is going to go forward today, somebody's going to have to suffer. One writer said that when a child is born into this world, some woman must travail in pain. Amen, ladies? And he said, the reason... There are not more people being born again is because there are not enough believers willing to travail in pain so that others may be born again. Listen, comfortable Christians sitting in our air-conditioned building on our cushioned pews who are going to go get in our SUVs and drive and go have a nice meal, either go out or we're going to go home to one that was cooked for us by someone who loves us very much. The reason more people aren't getting saved is because more Christians aren't willing to suffer. We like our comfort. In fact, we prefer it too often. We are unwilling to be uncomfortable, to be without, to suffer at all for the sake of the gospel. There are so many believers today who would read Paul's verse, verse 24, and disagree. They would have to read it. If they were reading it honestly, they would have to say, I do not rejoice in my sufferings because I am not going to suffer. If I have time, if I have extra money left over, 
if I have something that I can give that I don't need anymore, then I will happily give that away. But if I don't, I'm not taking away from what I love and what I have and what I enjoy so that others might hear the gospel. Now, we never say that out loud or rarely, but we often live it. We'd all like to see revival. I love the song about revival. And we'll talk about witnessing and living for God and all that sort of stuff. Friends, the gospel is going to go forward today. If people are going to be saved, someone is going to have to pay the price. And if it's only one or two, then very few will be saved. But what if it's one or two hundred who say, I will suffer? And and you know, our society, you know what we do? We pay other people to go suffer. We give our tithes and our offerings so we can pay missionaries to go do all the suffering for us. So we can pay the pastor and the staff to do all the suffering for us. How much are you paying to get the word of God out? Not just financially, time-wise, resource-wise, physically, emotionally, spiritually. How much are you giving to the Lord? Does it really cost you? Has it cost you anything in the last year? Really? Are you willing to join Paul to suffer for the sake of the gospel? You see, when the gospel is our master, when the gospel is our ruler, then we will give up whatever we have to give up to serve the gospel, right? But when we're not willing to sacrifice anything, the gospel is not our master. We're not its servant. We'll tell it when we're ready to go. We'll tell it what we're willing to do. We're not going to let it tell us what to do. But friends, the gospel has got to be revealed. Because, you see, it is a mystery to people. They do not, those who don't know the gospel, don't understand the gospel at all. Paul calls it in verse 26, he says that it's a mystery hidden for ages and for generations that has now been revealed to the saints. We see what the gospel is. We see God's work. Let me give you just quickly, very quickly, the evidence of this, okay? Every religion in the world, besides Christianity believes that what you do is you work your way into God's pleasure, into his good graces. You earn salvation. You earn heaven. You do good things. You make God happy. Get him off your back so that then you can go to heaven, hopefully. Every single religion, that's what they believe. Some way or another, that's what it boils down to. But the gospel is not that at all, is it? The gospel says, look, you can't 
you're a sinner, you'll never be good enough, but the good news is this, that Christ came and died on a cross for you so that you might be forgiven, freely forgiven, given something that you could never earn. The debt has been paid. We love that song. It's an old gospel song, right? He paid a debt he didn't owe. I owed a debt I couldn't pay. I needed someone to wash my sin away. Jesus died on the cross and paid the debt for us so that we may enter into heaven without work, just by grace. People don't get that. They don't understand. It doesn't make sense. Why would God do that? They want to somehow earn it, right? But I need to do good stuff so God will love me enough to die on the cross for me. You can't do it. That's the mystery. It's been hidden for ages and generations, but now is revealed in verse 27. God wanted to make this known among the Gentiles, the glorious wealth of this mystery. God wanted all the Gentiles, he wanted the whole world to know. That's me, I'm one of those Gentiles. He wanted me to know that he loved me and that he had sent his son to die for me. I'm so glad that somebody sacrificed so that I might hear the gospel message and give my life to Christ. Aren't you glad somebody else sacrificed, suffered so that you could hear the gospel message and give your life to Christ? This mystery with the free gift of God. And then look how he calls it. I love this, right? Verse 27, God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Friends, this is the gospel message is not that you work so that you can satisfy God's crazy demands. It is that God has given his son to die on a cross for you. And when you pray and ask him to forgive your sins and you commit your life to him, what happens? The spirit of Christ comes to live in you. This is the good news. This is good news. You see, the Spirit of Christ will live in you if you give your life to Him so that you don't have to match up to some unbelievable expectations that no one could ever fully match to. There's no way you could do it, but Christ now comes to live in you. This is the gospel. Listen, doctrine is important, and it expresses Christ and the truth of who He is and what He has done. But doctrine never is a substitute for Christ. It doesn't matter if you have all the correct doctrine. If you don't have Jesus in you, you don't have hope yet. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the hope of glory. Christ dwelling in you. What a difference it makes in your life. As a believer, when you realize what it means, when you grab hold of what it means that Christ lives in you. You've given your life to Jesus Christ. You've confessed your sins and asked him to give you eternal life. He came, the Spirit of Christ came to live in you. It, it's not about having all the right beliefs although we should. It's not about practicing all the proper rituals. It's, it's not about um, doing all the certain things or wearing the right clothes or any of that, right? It is understanding that Christ is in you. He has grabbed hold of your life. 
Here is the good news. This is the glorious, glorious wealth of the mystery that Christ lives in you. Christ is in you. That is the hope of glory. And it is this that we proclaim. Christ that we proclaim. Look what he says, verse 27 or verse 28. We proclaim him warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this striving with the strength that works powerfully in me. These two verses were the theme verse for me as a pastor, theme verse for my preaching. I had printed them out and placed them on the pulpit so that whenever I stood in the pulpit I would see those two verses. You see, we need to understand this. The subject of the gospel is much narrower than we might think. We proclaim him. That's what Paul says. We preach Christ. Christ is the subject of all of our preaching. There's a problem if we talk about conduct and ritual, doctrine or spiritualism that is not informed by the person in the work of Jesus Christ and his work of reconciliation. Because our goal is not behavior modification so that everybody will look like good Christian kind of people. Our goal is spiritual transformation. That they would come to know the one and holy God who will come to forgive them and then live in them. That's what we want them to know. Man, our biggest problem is not that some people just don't act right. Our biggest problem is the people in the church aren't transformed. They're in the church, but they haven't been transformed by the power and the work of Jesus Christ. Or they have been and have forgotten. And they've been Christian for so long and church for so long that they think that's it. And it is not it. It is about the transforming work of Jesus Christ in your life. That is what we preach Christ the subject of the gospel is a lot narrower than we might think and I'm going to tell you this the work of the gospel is a lot harder I want you to look at some of these words in verses 27 and 28 or 28 and 29 he says we proclaim him warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom warning is admonishing which means to confront somebody with the intent of changing their attitude and their actions. We warn them, listen, if you keep doing that, it's going to destroy your life. I've talked about that with you all before. I'm pretty sure the great need that people have to have somebody speak truth into their life, right? Somebody needs to tell them the truth about where they're going. We warn them and we admonish them and we teach them. We take the orderly presentation of the gospel and what it means to follow Christ, and we, we teach it. When you go to your small groups here in a little bit, or if you had it earlier this morning, or you've got it this week sometime, when you get in that, that group to have that Sunday school teaching or life group teaching, or I don't remember what you call it here, the teaching, when you get that time, it's so that we can learn what it means to live in Christ. That's the goal. So that we can talk about what it means to live in Christ with him in us fully. But look what Paul says. Verse 29. I labor for this. I labor for this. 
I work hard for this. Then the verse 28 is to present everyone mature in Christ. That's our goal. Paul says, man, I work at it. It's hard work. Struggle. Striving, he says. That word striving in the Greek, because I have to throw in a Greek word every once in a while, right? Agonizomai. You might hear the English transliteration, agony. I go through agony. It's a word used of athletes going through spring training, you know, football players going through fall camp. You're in agony, striving. We're striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. Here's the beauty of that. It doesn't mean that I have to figure out how to give all that I have. I just have to surrender to the Lord and let him do all that he wants through me. And I work hard at it because I want him to be honored because I want people to know who don't know yet. And I want those who already know to know fully. I want to present them mature. It's harder than we might think. And the subject is narrower than we might think. It's just about Christ. It's true for the Christian minister, for the Christian member. No matter where you are, it's true. In the Bible Belt, you're in the Pacific Northwest, you're in tribal Africa, you're in metropolitan Europe, you're in East Texas, or you're in Vermont, New England. We preach Christ. That's who we talk about. Some people say, oh, but, but that's all. It's all you ever talk about is Jesus. Yeah, that's it. It's just Jesus. Wherever we are, it's our calling. It's our pleasure. It's our joy. And it is our suffering. What I love about Paul is that Paul knew exactly why he was here. He knew exactly what God had called him to. And Paul was willing to live his life fully to that. My question for us this morning, do you know why you're here, why God's left you? Do you know what he's called you to? And are you going to live fully for it? Are you going to rule the gospel or is the gospel going to rule over you? Are you willing to suffer? so that others may know who Jesus is. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much because you come to us in truth. Your spirit speaks to us and confronts us right where we are. And Lord, I, I thank you that you're not willing to just let us go through life wrongly all the time, over and over, making poor choices. But Lord, you confront us by the mercy of your gospel. Heads bowed and eyes closed is God speaking to your heart. Somebody here this morning may, you may have realized that you've known the truth of the gospel, but you've never given your life to the gospel. 
that while you've known about Christ for a long time maybe or just for a short time, you've never given your life to him, asked him to forgive your sins and allowed him to come in and take over your life. If that's you this morning in just a moment, when we stand to sing this response song, I want to invite you to come forward. I'm going to stand down here in front. You want to come and say, I need to give my life to Jesus. And I think many of you here this morning, you've already made that decision. But the reality may be for you, you're not living fully for the gospel. Maybe you used to. Maybe you never really have. If you're ready this morning to say, Lord, make the gospel the ruler over my life. Lord, I want to live for you fully. Lord, I know I need to suffer, but I don't even know where that is or how that starts. But I want to. If that's your prayer this morning, I'd encourage you to come. Come to the altar and spend some time with the Lord, just crying out to Him. Friends, if we want revival, if we really sing that song honestly, we must suffer. We must be willing to suffer, to sacrifice. You want to come and pray with me? I'll be here. If you have another reason you want to come and pray, I'll be here. If you just want to come to the altar, if you want to join this great church, Central Baptist Church, what a great church. Come down and let's talk about that and pray together. Father, we give you this time. This is your invitation. You offer to us a great opportunity to know you and to follow you today. So we come to follow Jesus because you're the only one worth following. In Jesus' name we come. Amen. Let's stand and we're going to sing. You come right now.
I invite y'all to take a seat real quick. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. For those of you who don't know, my name is Austin Surrett. I serve as the worship leader here at Central Baptist Church. Uh, we want to thank Dr. Steve Brazell for being here while Pastor Sonny was out, bringing the word this morning. That was excellent. I have a couple quick announcements for y'all before we head out to our Bible study classes. The first is that, like Joel mentioned, there are uh, tithe envelopes in the back of every uh, seat in the room, and if you feel led to give that way, you can obviously place a, a check or, or anything that you choose to give in there and then drop those at the tables at the exit as you leave this morning. Um, there are also other ways to uh, give online. If you'll uh, visit our website, centrallivingston.com, uh, you can find the give page and you can do it that way. You can also bring any gifts that you choose to give to the church office at any time during the week. Uh, next, I want to make everyone aware of the equip conferences put, down, put on by um, the SBTC. It's a, an opportunity for uh, all of us as church members to uh, be equipped to do the work of ministry. There's breakout sessions on all kinds of things from, from Bible study, class leadership, women's ministry, children's ministry, youth and young adults ministry, worship, technology, anything that you're interested in serving in, there are uh, breakout sessions on this. Uh, so if you feel like you're wanting to be equipped to serve better in whatever area of ministry within the church, this is going to be a great opportunity for you. That's Saturday, August 5th at uh, Sagemont Church down, down uh, south of Houston. All right, and then next is a similar opportunity. This one's put on by our local association, uh, Impact. This is Saturday, August 26th. It's going to be a lot of the same thing, equipping, uh, getting us ready to do the work in ministry like uh, Dr. Brazell talked about today. It's not just on us to um, sit and partake in ministry, but also to give back of our time to suffer and, and to serve. Finally, I want to announce uh, we'll be having a, a church-wide uh, night of worship and prayer. This will be on August 9th. We're calling it our Encounter Night of Worship. Uh, this will be on August 9th. That's Wednesday at 6 p.m. It'll go roughly an hour, hour and a half. And we're just going to come together and pray uh, directly as a church for our community pray that we would uh, be a, a force for the mission of Jesus Christ in this community. We'll also take some time to sing songs together. Uh, it'll be a, a great night of worship. I hope that you'll make time to join us for that. Uh, with that, we're going to pray, and then we'll be dismissed uh, out to our life groups. God, thank you so much for this day. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house to praise you and to hear from you. Lord, I pray that uh, as we leave this place, God, that we would be energized and filled up by your word. Lord, I pray for each person in this room, God, that they would not leave here without uh, having heard from you. God, I pray that you would humble our hearts to your word that we heard today, that we would want to suffer for you, to serve you, God. Uh, we praise you for the cross and what you did for us there. Lord, we pray that we'd be your instruments as we leave. It's your name we pray. Amen. This is my testimony.